This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Hi, Ron here, and I am so glad you've tuned into New Life from wherever you are around this community, this country, or this world. Um, And since you've tuned in to New Life, uh, I want to share with you a little bit about who we are. We are a group of people who love life. Our founder, our champion, our hero, Jesus, said he came that we, all of us, everyone who lives, could have life and have it to the fullest. I mean, to the point that it overflows. And we pursue that all the time. That's how we want to live. We have the same challenges as everybody else. But we believe in the midst of those challenges that there's a way to live life fully and beautifully and wonderfully. So we love life, but we love more than life. We also love people, all kinds of people, not just good people, bad people too. No matter what they look like, no matter what their behavior is, we, we love people. And when you take a group of people who love life and they love people it's such a wonderful combination and we invite you to join us in 2021 this is the first sunday of 2021 happy new year to you and oh by the way you could tune in every single week and take this journey with us and we would invite you to do that now listen one thing we won't be doing is we won't be punching your guilt button It's not our goal to get you to live by a certain set of rules or regulations. It's our goal to help you learn about this thing called life. And to be sure, the things that you choose to do, whether good or bad, will determine a lot about your life and a lot about our life too, the choices that we make. But more important than that are the relationships that we build. And our thought is, if we can help each other build the right relationships in good and healthy ways, then we can work on our behavior at the same time. But it's not our behavior that counts most. It's, It's the relationships we build and how we learn to encourage and inspire and help each other. So now listen. We're all living in some way right now. Good, bad, indifferent. We're all living in some way. Why not make it extraordinary? And we're all headed to some destination someday. Why not make that that destination extraordinary? And that means that 2021, we would like to see as a year of spiritual victory. Not just mild improvement, but actual spiritual victory. We're talking about significant breakthroughs, learning some brand new skills that had whole new dimensions to our lives. And and these thought patterns and sometimes speech patterns that we don't like about ourselves or attitude patterns or whatever it might be that we really don't like ourselves. Wouldn't it be great if in 2021, instead of mild improvement in those areas, wouldn't it be great if we actually experienced breakthroughs and had real spiritual victories 
and we're able to just let those things go and move on to good and better things. Now, the song that we just sang or listened to brought up this idea that there's another person with us in the fire, in the troubles and trials of life, and even in the victories. Can I really be sure that God is standing right there with me? <clears throat> Can I really be sure that he is an active player in my life? Well, listen, there's one thing we know for sure. If we're going to get better at this experience we call life, we have to get a clearer and better understanding of the major players in it. So let's take a look at that and ask ourselves some really important questions. And let's start with the biggest player of them all, and that's God. Who is he? What is he like? What is his relationship to us? What does he actually think of us? Is he for us, against us, or just neutral? Another major player in life is us. Maybe the second most important player in life is us. <clears throat> well, where do we come from? What's our human nature like? Why can it seem so good and beautiful one moment, and then the next can be so devilish and destructive? How can that be? What's our role supposed to be in this thing we call life? And what's our eternal destination? What does that look like? Well, there's another major player, and that's the earth and the universe. That's, that's where we live. <clears throat> so where did it come from? And what is its purpose? And maybe more importantly, what's our relationship supposed to be to the earth and universe? And why is, is the earth and universe, why are they so spectacularly beautiful and wondrous and yet so catastrophic at times? And what's the eventual destination of the earth and universe? <clears throat> and then there's the whole spiritual world. Is there really a realm of reality that we can't see, hear, taste, touch, or smell? But we know it's there. Is it all bad? Is it all good? Or is it a mixture of both? And do I have any control <clears throat> over the role that this unseen spiritual world plays in my life? And oh, by the way, what's the eternal destination of the spiritual world? Now listen, you and I have played the game 20 questions before. <clears throat> and whether you realize it or not, I just ask us 20 questions about the four major players in our world. Here's something we need to know. Our personal answers to those 20 questions determine a number of things about this experience we call life. Number one, they, they determine the context in which we live. What I believe about God, what I believe about myself, what I believe about the spiritual world, 
What I believe about the earth and the universe determines the context in which I choose to live. Secondly, it will determine the content of my life, what I choose to include and what I choose to exclude or ignore. It will determine the quality of my life, whether it's filled with light and beauty and wonder or whether it's filled with darkness and destruction and hurt. And last of all, it will determine the destiny of our coming life. And so our teaching series that we're opening this year with, it's called Look Up. It's about lifting our eyes from the world in which we live and the circumstances that we can see and hear and feel. And it's about looking up and looking beyond so that we can see beyond the circumstances and find God in every part of our story. So let's go all the way back to the first page of the Bible and learn a number of significant things about ourselves. <clears throat> God said, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature. So God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. Among the many things we can learn from just that little excerpt alone, one of the most important is this, that you and I are primarily spiritual beings in a physical body. We're not primarily physical beings who have this sort of spiritual dimension to us. We are actually spiritual beings that currently have a physical dimension to us. We are fundamentally different from the animals. The animals that inhabit our world have a physical body much like ours because they were made by the same creator. But they are very different in that they are a physical body plus instinct. It's why spiders spin the same kind of webs. You, you show me a spider and every other spider that looks like that spider that's from that same species will spin the exact same kind of web. No one ever sits down and figures out a new kind of web, a better kind of web, a more effective kind of web, because they work on instinct. But human beings are different than that. Human beings have a physical body, but inside that physical body is something far more profound than instinct. It's the image or the nature of God. Our physical body is temporary, but our image of God, that spiritual part of us, that main part of us, is eternal. And here's something that's really important for us to know. We have been created for friendship with God. That means we've been created to share life with him. That's what all friends do. They share life together. And that means that we were created to converse with him. There's no such thing as friendship without some form of conversing or conversation. We were designed and made to talk with God, to listen to God, to have conversation with him and to share life with him. Because in the end, we were made to be loved by God and to love him. That's why when someone came to Jesus and said, what's the most important thing in life? 
it was very easy for Jesus to answer. He said, I'm going to take you right to the very purpose of life itself. The most important thing in life is that you and I would love God. Because in loving him, we end up being loved by him. Actually, he loved us long before we loved him. But when we love him, the circle of love is complete. Now, that's all well and good, but here's where the challenge comes in. This relationship, this friendship with God takes place primarily in a spiritual world. This world we can't see and we can't touch. And that makes it very challenging. So in this series, we're going to explore how the spiritual world works, where it overlaps the physical world, how they both affect the other. And maybe most importantly, how to flourish and thrive as primarily spiritual beings in a physical body. So, so now if we're going to do that, we need to get some basic understandings of what that unseen spiritual world is like. So I want to invite you to watch a video that lays out the basics so clearly. If you pick up the Bible, you don't have to read far before you meet the main character, God. Yeah, he appears in the Bible's first sentence. And then later on page one, you meet the humans. And there you have it. The two main players in the Bible, God and humans on the stage of our world. Well, not quite. In the Bible, there's actually a way bigger cast of characters than just humans and God. Like who? I mean the figures called the Elohim in the Hebrew scriptures. Angels, the Satan, demons, they're all over the story. Oh right, spiritual beings. To be honest, I've never really known what to do with them. It's all kind of weird. And unfortunately, almost all of our modern conceptions about these beings are based on serious misunderstandings. All right, so let's talk about spiritual beings in the story of the Bible. So first thing we have to do is reorient ourselves to how the ancient biblical authors saw the world. On pages one and two of Genesis, God brings order to a watery wilderness, separating the skies above from the land below. Right, this is earth where we live. And then there's the heavens high above, which they saw as God's domain. But in the Bible, these spaces are not separate. They overlap. And in fact, the Garden of Eden is described throughout the Bible as a high mountain garden where heaven and earth are one. Cool. So that's the world. Now it needs some creatures. God first creates and appoints the sun, moon, and stars to rule the day and night. You mean the giant flaming gas balls in the sky? Well, that's how you think about them. But the biblical authors, like all ancient people, saw them as heavenly creatures that are glorious, shining bright, and high above. Which is strange. I don't think of stars as creatures. Well, you don't. But for the biblical authors, the stars formed their categories for thinking and talking about a spiritual reality that exists alongside ours. And it's a different kind of reality, just like the sky is different from the land. And it's populated with creatures that have different kinds of bodies, shiny spiritual bodies. Okay, so almost all ancient cultures thought of the stars as divine beings, including the ancient Israelites. But the biblical authors make clear that these beings are not God. Rather, they're images of God. Their glory and high status is a reflection of the Creator's glory and status, and they exist to serve His purposes. So the stars symbolize beings who are like God's heavenly staff team. Right. Now let's go back, because after God appointed the heavenly host, he also appointed another type of creature. The humans. Yeah, in Hebrew they're called Adam, which sounds like the Hebrew word for dirt because that's what they're made of. So glorious rulers above and hairy sapiens below. 
But then comes the great twist. God tells the lowly humans that they are to rule all of creation. He invites them to rise above their dirty origins and share in God's glory as his partners. So God wants to rule the world through humans and not the spiritual beings. Exactly. This is how the poet of Psalm 8 understood the stories of Genesis. He looked up at the stars and says, What is humanity that you consider him? You made him lower than the spiritual beings, but crowned him with glory and divine majesty. This is humanity's high calling, to rule creation in the love and power of God. Very cool. But not everyone's happy. We're introduced to a spiritual being who doesn't want humans to rule. So he tricks them into thinking that they can get divine power on their own terms. They're deceived and they take the opportunity. So they're banished from the Eden mountain, exiled to wander the earth and return to the dust. This snake is bad news. Yeah, and as you read on, you discover that he's part of a spiritual rebellion that follows the humans outside of Eden. And things get worse from here. The humans still desire to rule, so they start a new project. Yes, in the Bible, this is called Babylon. It's the anti-Eden, where human and spiritual rebels join together to elevate themselves back to their former glory. And so... With all that in mind, we can now appreciate the full cast of characters that we meet in the biblical story. God, humans, and all of the spiritual beings. Exactly. And so here's a preview of what we're going to explore. We'll learn more about God's heavenly staff team called the Divine Council. Then we'll talk about angels and cherubim, key figures in the spiritual realm. And then one particular angel called the Angel of the Lord. We'll also look at the spiritual rebels in the Bible, connected with the Satan and demons, And finally, we'll see how this whole story leads to Jesus, the one who overcomes evil, reunites heaven and earth, so that a new humanity can partner with God. I know for some of us, that's brand new information. And I know we've probably all heard of people that get miles deep in this whole spiritual realm, and and they're going to seances and all this sort of stuff. And And there are people kind of on the Christian end of that that would never go to a seance, but they kind of see a a demon behind every bush and and, uh, they're always casting out demons. Listen, we're not going to get all weird on you. That's that's not actually what the spiritual world is about. And though we can't dig into it fully right now, we may later on in the year, but I want to hook you up with a resource because... That, that video we just watched, as you saw at the very end, it's the first in a series of videos that are very helpful and, and that give a very clear and basic understanding of, of what goes on in the spiritual world and how it can affect us and how we can make choices in our present world that actually enable us to use the unseen power of the spiritual world in wonderful ways in our lives. So if you'd like to know more about that, then you can look at, uh, well, that's how you can connect with me on our screen. You can go to ron at newlifepetaluma.com and you can just tell me, hey, would you send me a link to those videos on the spiritual world because that would be really helpful for me and I'll make sure that I get you that link set to you right away. There's seven videos and there's a study guide and it's a great experience. So if you want that, that's great. Now this spirit beings concept, 
is about living in a dual world, a physical world we can see and hear and touch and feel, and the spiritual world that we can't do any of that stuff in, and yet we live in it and it affects us. And it's not actually easy for us to build a friendship with a God that we can't see and to remain aware at all times that he's actually active and busy in our lives. And God knows that. So he put this concept in scripture time and time again. And I just wanted to read some of these so that you know that, that God wants us to get this. First one is this. Paul writes and says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's something you can't see. So that you may know him better. Remember, we were created for friendship with God. He goes on to say, I pray that the eyes of your heart. That's, that's that ability to perceive what's going on in this world that you and I can't see, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Paul writes again, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you may be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. That's in this unseen world for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world. If you've ever wondered how this world could get so messed up, it's not because people wake up in the morning and decide, you know, I'm just going to be nasty. I think I'll go out and find someone to kill or a bunch of people to kill. It's because there are unseen forces that are at work on us at all times. And if we're not careful, we'll fall prey to that. But it's not all bad. And we'll see that in just a minute. Because God says this, the Apostle John, one of Jesus' closest followers said, listen, you need to be aware that the spirit, this God nature and, and the spirit of God, who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. You see, there is the spirit of Satan and he's actually in the world all around us. It's a spirit of darkness. It's always working to pull us down in every circumstance and to get us not to believe in God and not to believe in ourselves and not to believe in other people. I like to think of it as sort of a gravity, a spiritual gravity. You can't see gravity, but it's always pulling you down. And if you don't make allowances for gravity, the end result is not going to be good. Maybe as a kid, you jumped up on the back of the couch and you thought you could be Superman and fly and you jumped and you didn't account for gravity. Well, I'll tell you, that didn't end well. Because gravity is always pulling us down. But there is the Spirit of God who is also at work all throughout the world. And this is a spirit of light and hope and love. And it's always working to lift us up in every circumstance. I like to think of it as an updraft. 
It's like a gust or a, or a stream of wind that's always flowing upward against gravity. And God has made us with the ability to get in that updraft and to rise above gravity. And here is God's promise to us. The updraft is always stronger than the pull of gravity. Always, always, always. So it's not like we have to live in this world in fear all the time. The victory is right there for us. But we dare not forget that, that the gravity of the dark world is always pulling us down. But we also dare not forget that the beauty and wonder of the updraft of God's spirit is always pulling us up. Now, there's a story in the Bible where God temporarily allows a guy to see into the spiritual world with his physical eyes and to see what was actually happening. And it's such a great story. I want to take us there. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 6. And to set this story up, the king of Aram is the enemy of the nation of Israel, and he keeps trying to conquer Israel. But every time he puts his army together to make a sneak attack, it's like the king of Israel knows exactly where he's going to be. And the king of Israel always shows up there first. And the king of Aram is so upset. He, gets, he says, we have a mole in, in, in our command staff. And they all say to him, king, that's not the deal. There's no mole here. But there's a guy who lives in Israel. His name is Elisha. And the God of heaven tells him what you whisper to us. Elisha is the problem. It's not us. So then the king of Aram says, you go find out where he is. And we're going to surround that city and we're going to eliminate that problem. And they tell him after a little in investigation, oh, he's in the city of Dothan. He says, okay. Let's go surround the city. So that's where we pick up the story. That night, the king of Aram dispatched a vast army of horses and chariots, an impressive fighting force. And by the way, Dothan is not a big town. It's a little town. It, it probably didn't have any army of its own. Well, they came by night and surrounded the city of Dothan, where Elisha, a prophet of God, was staying. So what happens next? Early in the morning, the servant of the holy man, that's Elisha, this Elisha's servant, got up and he went out. Surprise! Horses and chariots surrounding the city. And the young man exclaimed, Oh, master, what shall we do? Have you ever had one of those moments when you just knew, Oh, man, I'm in it deep. This is not going to end well. Elisha said, oh, don't worry about it. There are more on our side than on their side. Now, at this point, the servant had to look at Elisha and think, what are you smoking? I mean, there are thousands of horses and chariots surrounding this town. There's more horses and chariots out there than we have people in the city. How can you say there's more with us? Then Elisha prayed, oh, God. Open his eyes and let him see. In other words, pull back the curtain and let this young man see into the spiritual world. 
The eyes of the young man were opened and he saw a wonder. The whole mountainside full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. These were angels who showed up as, as, as warriors. And you know what? I don't, I don't care how many horses and chariots you have. When the enemy shows up with horses and chariots of fire and they're coming after you, you run. Yeah, and I, I won't get into all the rest of the story, but this is the reason why this teaching series is called Look Up. How to see beyond the circumstances and find God in every part of our story. You see, let's, let's start with four spiritual realities. Number one, there are unseen spiritual forces always at work in our lives. It's on page after page of the Bible. It's what Jesus taught. This is the world in which we live. We are primarily spiritual beings. Number two, to thrive, we must be aware of that and adjust. If we're not aware of the spiritual world that surrounds us and we live as if it doesn't exist, well, we will not live well. It's not until we understand that the problems in our world are not primarily monetary and they're not primarily political and they're not primarily ethnic. They are primarily spiritual because we are primarily spiritual beings. Number three, this is so important. God is always more active and stronger than Satan. Always, always, always. God speaks to you more often than Satan tempts you. God stands beside you when Satan is a thousand miles away or when Satan is right next door. God is always more active and always more powerful than Satan. So we don't need to live in any fear at all. And number four, our job is to look up. To lift our eyes above the circumstances to see where God is calling us. And we're going to see this in the life of a guy by the name of Gideon, where God was always trying to get Gideon to lift up his eyes and see what's actually true. The bigger picture, the whole picture, if you will, not just the physical picture. So our job is to look up. Now I want to close with a couple of stories and a prayer. And, and I'll take us first to a couple of passages of scripture. The author of Hebrews writes, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Did you know that even though you can't see them, there are angels at work in the world all the time. And I know we, we sing about it at Christmas and we talk about it at at Christmas and we might even watch It's a Wonderful Life and, and, and we hear this concept of guardian angels and, and so forth. Well, I want to take you to the passage of scripture where the guardian angel concept comes from. In that same book of Hebrews, the author writes, all angels are spiritual beings who serve God and are sent to help those who will receive salvation. So, the angels are out there working on our behalf all the time. 
And the vast, vast majority of the time, we don't know it. We have no awareness of it. We can't see them. We can't feel them. We can't touch them. But I want to share a personal story with you where I know an angel came and helped me. The date was December the 19th, 1991. And I had just moved to Hawaii and I was out in the, in the ocean at a place called Sandy Beach, completely unaware that I was on the most dangerous beach in the world, that more broken necks and back injuries happen on that beach than any other beach in the world, had no clue. And I watched some people body surfing and I thought, well, I can do that. So after about 30 minutes of watching and observing, I got in the water and I swam out and I turned my, my face to the shore. And when a big wave came in, I started swimming as fast as I could. I caught the front side of that wave and I started riding and it was an amazing thrill. And then all of a sudden, it's like I hit a stone wall. I did what they call going over the falls and, and I went over the top of that wave and the wave actually drove my head straight into the sand with such force it crushed the C1 vertebra in my neck. Literally crushed it into four pieces. Well, there I was in the water, and when I finally got up to the surface, another wave hit me, and it somersaulted me, and it washed me back out to sea. And when I finally got up to the surface, another wave hit me, somersaulted me, and took me back out to sea, all the time with a broken neck that had been crushed in four places. Three times that happened before I was finally able to stand up and walk out. I believe that some angel put his hands around my neck that could no longer support my head and he held it straight. And when I got to the hospital, the doctor looked at the MRI, walked into my room. And he said, I have no idea how you lived through that. And he said, the fact that you're not paralyzed is a miracle beyond what I can believe. And the doctor said to me, there's somebody watching out over you. And it's somebody bigger than anybody I know. What are angels? What happens in the spirit world? They are spirits who serve the people God has created. Very early on in the history of new life, our church was maybe a year, year and a half old, and, and it was a lot of hard work, and we were really small, and, and yet God was doing significant work, but God knew we needed some encouragement. And one day a guy showed up at church and his name was Enoch. And I won't go into the name Enoch, but that's a Bible name, a very special Bible character. Um, this guy Enoch shows up and he just showed up out of the blue. And he started working with our setup and teardown crew and 
Enoch, where'd you come from? And we could never get a straight answer of where Enoch came from. But the one thing we all knew, Enoch kept encouraging us and he kept pointing us to prayer and he kept reading us relevant scriptures from all over scripture. And, and he kept guiding us in prayer and praying for us. And it was such a boost to all of us. And then one day Enoch said, okay, I'm going to be moving on. And we said, Enoch, we don't even know where you came from. Where are you going? He said, well, I have other work to do and other people I want to help. And and he bid us all goodbye and walked out of our lives and we never saw him again. But everybody who worked with Enoch would tell you today that they believe Enoch was an angel who showed up when we needed him most and pointed us to spiritual realities that we needed to remember. And he did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. In 2021, if we will walk with God, when we need an angel, he'll send one. When we need a spiritual truth, he'll give it to us. When we need some encouragement, he will send either an angel or another human being to encourage us because God is always active in our lives. I want to lead us in a prayer and then I'm going to point us to a song. God, I pray today for everyone who's viewing this video, for everyone who's hearing this teaching. God, would you give us eyes to see and perceive what we can't actually see with our physical eyes, that we could sense that you are with us, that you are for us, that you are always standing beside us. And would you give us ears to hear what you say to us so we could receive your messages of encouragement, so we could actually receive your messages of instruction so that we could be friends with you and we could walk with you through this life because we know as we walk with you, you make us better human beings than we could ever be on our own. That's our goal in 2021. And we invite you to partner with us in it. And we pray in your name. Amen. Now listen, 2021 will not be short on challenge. And learning new skills and experiencing victory will not come easily. But as we, as we pursue those very worthy goals, there's this underlying river that could be ours. And it's the river of God's presence and it's the river of God's joy. So I would encourage us, let his joy be our strength as we journey through this year. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.